Well, I was able to go to Israel and Jordan this past year, and I went on a tour of excavations that are taking place beneath the Western Wall. And except for getting separated with my wife Nancy and the group, um, I, uh, I went into the Court of Women, which was quite exciting by accident. Um, it was an awesome experience. And while we were on the tour, I touched the wall closest to where the Holy of Holies was located, where the high priest entered into the presence of God once a year and confessed the sins of the people. Places like that, I know, are not supposed to be important to people like me and to you because we know that God cannot be contained. God is wherever we acknowledge his presence. He's in, frankly, he's where we don't acknowledge his presence. He's there. Um, holy ground is when we acknowledge the fact that he is there, and yet it still was extremely meaningful to me. It was there I first heard the word or the term foundation stone referring to the massive stone under the golden dome of the rock. Jews call it the Evan Hashtia, Hebrew for foundation stone, or rock in Aramaic. Jews consider it the holiest place on earth, Muslims the third holiest, and much of the Middle Eastern conflict today revolves around it. Uh, where did the tradition originate? Rabbis point to scripture itself and the God who wrote it. The psalmist said in the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth. He set the earth on his foundations, it can never be moved. Where were you, God asked Job, when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand who laid its cornerstone. And then Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. According to rabbinic tradition, God created Adam and Eve about a hundred cubits east of that rock. And, and one of the traditions is that they actually were created by the dust of that rock so that they would never forget their divine origin. Now, I want to clarify, I'm talking about rabbinic tradition. I'm not buying all of this, just so you know. I need to go ahead and say that up front because people begin to get concerned about me. But I want you to hear that this is the mindset of, of Judaism. When Cain and Abel offered their sacrifices, we know that Cain's offering was rejected, Abel's was accepted. What most of us didn't know is that according to rabbinic tradition, the sacrifices happened on that altar under the golden dome, that stone that's there, the Evan Hashtia, was where that sacrifice occurred. Rabbinic tradition teaches us that the foundation stone came from God's throne of glory and was placed there by God himself to hold back the Tehom, which is, means the abyss, later a word that was used for hell, that held the Tehom, which were the chaotic waters, very threatening to man back then, that held them down and that if that foundation stone were ever removed, that the earth would flood. And so what kept that back was the foundation stone. And in fact, the teaching is, is that when the foundation stone was removed, that's what caused the flood. And the flood receded whenever the stone was put back in the earth and the flood went down. And Noah, when he got off the ark, offered sacrifice. And can you guess where he did that? Yes, on the Evan Hashtia. According to tradition, Abraham, according to the Bible, says this, that God told him to offer his son Isaac on the altar. Well, Isaac was the sacrifice. Isaac carried the wood. What we didn't realize in rabbinic tradition is that the place that they actually made the sacrifice, it was a ram instead, of course, was on that rock. Later, Jacob deceived his father Isaac. 
You remember the story. And he went to sleep as he's fleeing from Esau because Esau, like a good big brother, said when his birthright was stolen, I'm about to kill you. And so he ran. And it says that he fell asleep on a rock. And he used a stone as a part of that rock. And as he was sleeping, he had a dream. And, and we're expecting him to have a nightmare. But he doesn't have a nightmare. He has a, he has a, he has a dream. And in the dream, God says, I'm going to bless you. I mean, I'm going I'm to be with you everywhere you go. And I'm going to take care of your people. It's, it's grace, which is hard to stomach unless it's happening to you, isn't it? But grace is not grace if you deserve it. And so Jacob wakes up and he says, this is awesome. This place is awesome, is what he says. And he says, this is none other than the house of God. Maybe a reference to the temple is the idea. Um, this is the gateway of heaven. And rabbis teach that the reason this is such a special place around this foundation stone is that it's the gateway to heaven. One of the reasons prayers that are offered there are so effective is because they're the closest place to heaven that you can get where the Holy of Holies would be one day. It's the intersection between heaven and earth. Of course, Scripture records David in buying the threshing floor and where the temple would one day be. And he didn't get to build the temple, you remember, but his son Solomon did. And Solomon, when he built the temple, the tradition is that he built it right over this rock centered around that Evan Hashtia. Right now that there's such a conflict over in the Middle East and under the Golden Dome and that the Holy of Holies was there and that sitting on the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. So you're starting to, to grasp perhaps why they consider this rock so incredibly holy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they say happened there. But wait, there's still more. Rabbinic tradition teaches that everything that exists in the universe began with that rock. Tanhuma says, as the navel is set in the center of the human body, so is the land of Israel, the navel of the world, situated in the center of the world, and Jerusalem in the center of the land of Israel, and the sanctuary in the center of Jerusalem, and the holy place in the center of the sanctuary, and the ark in the center of the holy place, and the foundation stone before the holy place, because from it the world was founded. So you can see this is an all-embracing tradition in Judaism. I asked three rabbis of large synagogues in the Houston area because my question was, is this mainstream thought? I frankly had never, ever heard of it. And I, I've been in theology a long time, and Judaism is my heritage, at least the Jewish religion. That's my heritage. You'd think we'd have some kind of connection. So I, I asked them, is this mainstream thought? The Reformed rabbi that I talked to said that um, he didn't care he didn't care if he talked to me. He didn't seem to care about anything. There seemed to be some other psychological dynamics going on with Jewish-Christian relationships that I wasn't getting. But he just didn't give a rip. The uh, conservative rabbi that I talked to about this um, said that, yes, it very much was mainstream thought. And that um, he did not take it all literally. Um, some of it literally, but not all of it. But every bit of it was very much a part of his identity as a Jew and the, and the Jewish identity. When I talked to the Orthodox rabbi, he said, no question is this, I mean, this absolutely is the truth. Everything happened. Certainly Abraham and David did. We take it literally. And there's no reason, he said, why God couldn't do it all that way if he wanted to do it that way, which is kind of hard to argue with. And so 
It's a lot like talking to a bunch of Baptist preachers about what they believe, right? It's just kind of different across the board. But, but the overwhelming response was, yes, it is mainstream Judaism. When I first heard the foundation stone mentioned, my question was this, is it possible? I wish I had more time to develop this, but is it possible that when Peter called Jesus the cornerstone in 1 Peter 2.6, he wasn't just referring to any old cornerstone, but that he was referring to the foundation stone and that possibly was he referring to the, uh, alluding to the tradition surrounding it? When Peter, writes first, uh, when Peter writes, if it's Peter who wrote it, 1 Peter 2, 6, he quotes Isaiah 28, 16 to show Jesus is the fulfillment of messianic prophecy. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Now, Peter adds the words in him, and he does so to say Jesus is the fulfillment of this text in prophecy. So could Peter have been alluding to the Evan Hashtia and the rabbinic tradition surrounding it when he made the claim, Jesus is the cornerstone? Now for that to be the case, three things, I mean more than that, but at least these obvious three things would have to be true. First, the stone in Zion reference in Isaiah 28, 16, quoted in 1 Peter 2, 6, would need to be talking about the foundation stone. It would, it would need to have that reference in context. Dr. Norman Hillier who is the author of 1st and 2nd Peter and Jude in the New International Bible Commentary, advocates R.J. McKelvey in his book, The New Temple, The Church in the New Testament, which says this, and I quote, The rabbis took the stone in Zion, i.e. the cornerstone of Isaiah 28:16, as a foundation stone. Their favorite designation for this stone was the foundation stone, which took the place of the lost ark in the second temple according to the Mishnah. These two guys very clearly see that connection there that the rabbis had with it. Second, the foundation stone tradition would need to have existed during the time that the New Testament was written, obviously. Now, according to the Talmud, the foundation stone in the Holy of Holies is an ancient tradition, Specifically, Tractate Yoma 5.2 in the Mishnah was written in 220 A.D., but its subject matter spans between 536 B.C. and 70 A.D. It's probable that the foundation stone tradition began when the first temple was destroyed. When the first temple was destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant was carried off, and so they were looking for that which represented the temple, and what remained was the stone. And they focused their attention. It, it took on a new importance during that time. If that's the case, that that was developing at the time, this would mean the tradition existed and was developing before 1 Peter was written. Rabbi Stephen Morgan of Congregation Beth Yeshurun of Houston, if it doesn't speak to the uh, facts of this, it certainly speaks to their attitude. It says it references to the Evan Hashtia, date back 2,000 years. He said it very matter-of-factly trained lawyer in Harvard, now it's a, a um, rabbi. Third, the biblical terms cornerstone and foundation stone would need to be synonymous. I mean, I, it's, it's so simple, but one of the things I was saying to myself is that Isaiah 28, 16 says foundation stone and 1 Peter 2, 6 says cornerstone, and so that seems to be different to me. 
But when you look at synonyms for cornerstone, get on Microsoft Word. I know this is not my best reference, but look on Microsoft Word. And if you do synonyms, the thing that you'll pull up if you put in cornerstone is foundation or foundation stone. The Jewish Encyclopedia, which has no reason to make this connection. In fact, they have a reason not to. In 1906, and I just quote that one because it's, uh, it, it's old, but uh, the Jewish Encyclopedia lists cornerstone and foundation stone interchangeably. They use both words um, interchangeably. And more persuasively to me is the word translated foundation in Isaiah 28:16 in the Greek Septuagint is only used one time, and it is the same word that's quoted in 1 Peter 2:6, but it's translated as cornerstone. It's the same exact Greek word that's, that's in Old Testament Septuagint and also in the New Testament. And so one is translated as cornerstone, the other is translated as foundation stone. Now, the context of 1 Peter 2, 6, I think, is relevant as well. Just before Peter quotes Isaiah 28, 16, he's, and he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. He refers to a spiritual house, a reference to the temple, a royal priesthood, spiritual sacrifices. All of those are references to the temple. Then he quotes that verse, which suggests to me he may be referring to the temple in some way. So if the rabbis made the connection between Isaiah 28, 16 and the foundation stone, and Peter, a Jew, quoted the verse in the context of his own references to the temple, if the cornerstone and foundation stone can be and are synonymous in this case, and if it's, in, if it's possible the tradition existed when 1 Peter was written, it's not beyond reason to me to think that maybe Peter might have had the foundation stone tradition in mind. Now, ding, 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 ding. If you need to leave, go ahead, but don't leave yet. Hang on and listen to this. I'm not suggesting the connections necessary to understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm also not saying or arguing that the stone now enshrined under the dome of the rock is the actual foundation stone. Did you hear me say that? I'm not advocating that all the traditions surrounding the foundation stone, Evan Hashti, is literally or even symbolically true. None of that's required in what I'm saying. None of it. All that's required is that the foundation stone existed, that the writer of 1 Peter was aware of it, and that the Spirit inspired the allusion to it. But as my wife said to me recently, which is always a great question, what difference does it make? Great question, isn't it? It's always a good question to ask about your teaching, about your preaching, about anything we do. What difference does it make? I think quite a bit of difference. If 1 Peter 2.6 is an allusion to Jesus being the spiritual foundation stone, it gives Peter's reference to Jesus as the cornerstone some real Christological crunch. And it turns a rather tame statement by Peter into a monumental, bombastic claim that's worthy of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, even if you aren't convinced, you ought to know about this. It is mainstream Judaism. You, you ought to be aware of what is rabbinic thought because they believe it's inspired and it has some relevance if we're going to understand them and understand the Middle Eastern situation. But, but it brings the truths together. Nothing new about Jesus that I'm going to tell you in just a minute and, and I will be finished quickly. Nothing new that I'm going to tell you that's not very clearly New Testament biblical Christology. But what this concept does is it brings it together in a beautiful, beautiful way which I think demands that we give it some consideration. Just as the foundation stones consider the beginning, the navel of the universe, so Jesus was the beginning of all things. 
By him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So when we need help with our chaotic lives, and, and so often we do, we can look to the one who created us and sustains us. Just as the foundation stones considered the holiest place on earth, Jesus is the perfect holy one. I can't develop this thought. Just as the foundation stone is considered the place where heaven and earth intersect, the gateway of heaven, Jesus is the way to God. There's a reason we pray in Jesus' name. It's not an accident. We pray in Jesus' name because that is the way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. He said, I am the gate. Just as the foundation stones consider the place of forgiveness and salvation, so Jesus is the person of forgiveness and salvation. That Thank God we don't have to walk around carrying the past failures that we've, we've committed or been involved with, but that we can come with a clear conscience, as Hebrews says, and serve the living God. Just as the foundation stone is the visible symbol of God's presence, Jesus is the tangible expression of who God is. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, in the past God spoke to us through our forefathers at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son through whom uh, he appointed heir of the universe and through whom he created the universe Uh, Jesus is a radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being so that we really can say to people, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And if you want to know what he would do, look at the Lord. Just as the Evan Hashti is the foundation and center of the temple and the universe, so Jesus is the foundation and the center of our lives. Listen, the foundation is the one thing you can't neglect. You know that, right? You cannot neglect the foundation. It's not a matter of him demanding it. It's a matter of if it's not that way, the house won't stand. He must be the center of our lives. Jesus said, seek first, not second or 1B. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The problem with the foundation is nobody ever congratulates me or compliments me on my foundation. They tell me they like the sermon. They like the way I talk. They may like the way I sing or you sing. They may like your personality. They may like the stuff I have. Nobody ever comes up to me and says, Bruce, I love that. What a great foundation you have. Which is one of the reasons you see so many people like you and me who get lots of people and lots of success in ministry and the next thing you know, you read about them and they've had this enormous crash and burn and you say, what happened? Nobody said anything about their foundation. Stuff... You can't see, but if you neglect the foundation, it doesn't stand. Just as the one who puts their trust in the foundation stone will never be put to shame, so it is with those who put their trust in Jesus, the living rock. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a A foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Which is why for you to be a student at Truett Seminary and to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ is a brilliant, brilliant thing for you to do. 
Uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Jews long for in the Eben Hashtia, whether the connections that I mentioned or not. That, that's all they long for. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He's the fulfillment of all God's promises. He's all the world needs and the one for which the entire world longs. I congratulate you for investing your life and doing everything that you can to help people know the good news of Jesus Christ.